Hello and welcome to Almost 30 Podcast. Hi, everybody. Thanks for being here. It's Lindsay and Krista. Welcome to the show. If you're coming over from the camp of of Lily saying you don't have to be 30 to listen, but you might be younger than 30 and that's great too. This show was started when we were almost 30, but really just represents, yeah, supporting you in any transition in your life and just feeling like you are less alone, that you are supported and that where you are is just perfect. We're so, so glad you're here. This interview was so much fun. It was... Truly a blast. Yeah. it's It was one of those moments where, and we've had, you know, a handful of these where someone that we admire so much who has been in this space and at the height of their career for quite some time now, we meet them and we're like, damn, you're just a good ass human. Yes. A <laughs> homie. Yeah. And like being in the position that we're in, we've interviewed really powerful and amazing people, people all over the board, people very successful, you know, from the outside, very not, but spiritually interesting or vice versa. And it's just like, you know why someone's at the top of their game because they're just magnetic. Like she's so magnetic. And it's funny, I was looking at our notes for like questions we could potentially ask. And sometimes Lindsay and I do questions. Sometimes we don't. We kind of just feel it out. And I'm like, we didn't ask any of these. (laughs) (laughs) Like none of these questions got asked. Yeah. Yeah, you know, sometimes we just roll. And she was so down to roll. And it was just a really, really fun conversation. And if you don't know Lily, she is just like the definition of multifaceted. I feel like she is like truly embodying that in her career, which is so cool to see. She's an entertainer, an actress, YouTuber, producer, writer, creator. And she has a huge global audience. And, you know, we're talking to her now, 2022, where she's finally feels like she's in that point in her career where she can be discerning. She can really do what she's passionate about and not just say yes to everything. Yes. Which is such a a cool place to be in. Yeah. But, and it's cool. It's interesting too, because during the interview, we talked about the period in time where you kind of have to say yes. Sure. Or you say yes to a lot. And I remember going through that trajectory in our career when we would say yes to everything. Mm -hmm. We would do everything. We would, you know, take every opportunity, take every meeting And then you kind of get to the point where you're like, okay, discernment is the key and Mm -hmm. staying focused is the key. And I think you could have success even with discernment the whole way through. But I think being, yes, people really helped us. And in her book that's out now, Be a Triangle, she talks talks about that. Yeah, a lot about that. And she has so many things coming up. I'll, I'll plug them at the end. But we were talking to her a lot about like, how the heck... Do you take care of yourself yes. when you're doing so, so much? And I think that's something that, you know, on a smaller scale, we really had to learn because mm-hmm. we were like approaching burnout, like when we were on tour and we were traveling everywhere. And like, how do we really take care of our physical, our mentals, our spiritual? Because career could be like going in an upward trajectory, but like your spiritual is... She said in this one other interview I listened to, the spiritual could be totally stagnant. Yes, And then you realize you're like, wait, what's the point? If spiritually I'm stagnant and just feeling a little empty, you know, even though my bank account is full yes. or like my social account is up. So, yes. yeah. And it's interesting because I wonder if people hear that, that maybe don't have a fully solidified spiritual practice and are like, well, it seems like another to do mm. or like another thing on the list. And 
spirituality is so interesting because it's like it's always available, you know, in the present moment and when we notice and when we go outside or when we hug someone we love. And spirituality doesn't need to be so rigid or so like meditating in a Mm. cave for four hours. You know, it doesn't have to be as crazy as people think. It's actually very subtle. Yeah. And super simple. And that's why I love her new book, Be a Triangle. It's like, it is a really, really simple yet powerful concept, you know, building that foundation where you can basically come back to home to yourself no matter where you are, what season you're in. And to her point in this interview, she just talks about like kind of going the other way where she really lost herself and she felt so far from herself and she didn't know what coming home to herself felt like. And you kind of have to experience the contrast in order to come back to somewhat of a center. Yeah, it's fascinating for her career because I think I talk about this with my therapist, but like, how do you separate yourself from validation when like your life is, like your career validates you? Like your career is centered around validation, really. You know, when you're a YouTuber, it's, you know, it's important to have subscribers and likes and brand deals and people liking, engaging with your content to make it a business, you know, to make it something that's sustaining you financially. And it's like, how do you separate the supply from yourself when it's constant? Mm -hmm. It's crazy. So she talks about in 2020 when the pandemic happened and, you know, shut down a lot of Hollywood and a lot of her projects got canceled or they, you know, got rescheduled. So she had a lot of time at home, something that for someone that's super busy was new to her and how that really put her on this journey of figuring out how to do, have a relationship with herself. Mm -hmm. And one of the things we watched before interviewing Lily was her latest TED Talk. Yes. Which was super powerful and really enlightening for me because, you know, you see someone like Lily land a late night talk show and you're like, damn. Mm -hmm. One, it it is damn. That's amazing. I mean, it was historic because there... I think it's, I forget how many years it's been since there was a female late night talk show host. And, you know, she talks about her experience and, you know, obviously giving kudos to NBC for, you know, entrusting her and just like really supporting her in a lot of ways. But it's also bigger than that. Like this late night is is a man's, playground, right? Yes. Like they, they kind of rule it. And, yes. and so like- Who's who's up that late? Who knows? Dude, but, who, I'm just like, I, it's so foreign to me. Like people are up though. People to, are up. Go to bed. Dude, nothing good <laughs> happens after 9 p.m. Do you know what I mean? No good TV happens. Nothing. I would of, love a, I would love a 6 p.m. show. 100%. Dinner time show. We did a 5.30 dinner <laughs> last night and it was perfect. Was I got home at eight and I was like, I'm going to clean for 30 minutes (laughs) and go to bed. It was like a granny's delight. But yeah, it's all men. It's all kind of the same type of song and dance of white men. And it was really powerful that she was able to do it. But it seemed like she learned so much. Mm -hmm. And in their TED Talk, she was talking a little bit about how just having a seat at the table for women, you know, she got a seat at the table, wasn't exactly the solution for her to be successful. So having just a seat at the table isn't the solution to gender equality. Mm -hmm. And it was really interesting to hear kind of the difference or the the real experience of like having to shoot 96 shows in three months, which is not standard, but because there was either 
no or little budget on that end. And just how there's a contrast between whether it's men and women, you know, a white male and a woman of color in this space and just kind of how they're thinking about this. And also, hey, setting her up for success. Exactly. <laughs> you know, like she she talks about that first season. It was really, really hard. Second season was a little bit better in her experience, but I mean, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you set someone up for success when you're shooting three shows a day, you know, and, and you're writing it. Writing and preparing. I mean changing ooh. your outfits, doing ooh. your makeup, learning the the material the, the jokes. and yes. everything. That is unbelievable. It's a lot. I, I understand most things have a budget and whatnot, but if you're really giving something a a good old fashioned yes. go, you know. Yes. And not just like slapping the label on. Like, yeah. well, you know, we tried. A hundred percent. We tried, we did it, blah, blah. Yeah. The, so we talked a little bit about that, you know, her show and the TED Talk. And we also talked about her coming out story, mm-hmm. which was powerful. I think that was really cool to hear her process with it. And it's always fascinating because everyone's is so different. Mm-hmm. You know, I think and this is what I was talking to my friend about my friend Joey, who's an actor in LA, and he's reading this script for this role. And in the role, his character is gay. He's he's gay in real life. And he comes out and the dad is like, you know, not accepting of it. And we were kind of talking about, he's like, this is how the storyline almost feels a little played out at this point and how it's like people's experiences are so different now. It's not just kind of the standard, you know, shame and guilt, although that is very, very prevalent. And so I was really grateful for her to share her story of how it was just like, you know, this journey of telling her close friends and then being totally cool with it and totally accepting and then having this experience with her family, which seemed really powerful, just seemed like them coming to an understanding that they both have different thoughts and feelings, but they can love each other nonetheless. Yes. Yeah, completely. And we also talked about, we talked about so much, so get ready, but we also talked about how she was a vegetarian for like 12 years and now has like incorporated a little bit more meat and why she's done that and that transition and just really overall taking care of her body in a different way. I I don't know how she's done it by not. I don't know. I don't get it. She's like, no, I like eat pizza and I eat pizza and like, like, what was it? Energy drinks. But think about, okay, think about when when we travel though. When we traveled for tour, it was, depending on the city, it was very hard to find really healthy food. Yeah. You know, unless you're like, sourcing it yourself and like going to the grocery store and it was, it was really hard. We go to vegan places and it was kind of like junk food vegan. Yes. You know, so. I just, I, the I energy, I eat like, I eat bad one meal. I'm like, oh, I need a, I my know. energy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, know. my blood sugar is spiking right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to need a nap later. <laughs> like you get kind of psychotic about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, you're like, it kind of becomes a thing. So Be a Triangle is out now. As she talks about how she went from being lost to getting her life in shape. And she talks about four principles to help her do that. I love it because it has illustrations in it, which is really cool. So there's these like little pictures and illustrations mm-hmm. in it. And it is definitely written by her. I always can tell whenever we have people on that are authors if they wrote it or not. And you can very much tell it is her writing. Yes. And just to plug many other projects that she is in and are premiering this month, she can be seen in the second season of Hulu's comedy Dollface. And she is also in the star-studded ensemble cast for the DreamWorks animation action comedy 
Bad Guys, which is out this month as well. And you can also catch her starring as Nora in the new Muppet series, The Muppets Mayhem on Disney+. And she told us that... So this is... I love this part. I made a note about it because Krista and I are both going to do it. Shower vision boards. Yes. Pasting the vision board on the other side of the glass so you can see it every time you take a shower. And Disney Plus was in a corner of her vision board. I can't. Yes, because she used to keep her vision board just in her closet because it wasn't aesthetically pleasing. That's like bad feng shui. It it literally is. I was going to yeah. say bad feng shui because you're just putting it in the back. You're hiding it, but this is like, I can't. I'm going to put it in my shower. But you know what's funny? I think about that and it makes me stressed a little bit because then I'm like, oh, then it. Mm. Then I'm going to be looking at like a whatever the fuck. <laughs> it would be a good one to do as like a couple because yeah. you're both taking the showers. Yes. You know what I yes. mean? To kind yes. of like have like your couple visions. Yes. You know, whatever. <laughs> Just like vacations and six-pack yeah. abs. Six pack abs. <laughs> but thank you. Thank you, Lily. It was such a blast and so thankful we got to do this in person. You can follow Lily on Instagram if you're not already at Lily, L-I-L-L-Y. Same handle on TikTok. You can find her on YouTube. She is all over and I just adore her content, the comedy, the realness. It's just the best. Yeah, we had the best time. We're pretty much best friends. And just so you guys know, Life Edit is open for enrollment. So I'm hopeful you guys got to do the five-day mini challenge, which was the 12th through the 16th. It was a little taste of the Life Edit program. The Life Edit program is now open for enrollment. It opened on the 17th and we will close it in just a few days. And it is going to be incredible. It's all about editing your life with energetic and tactical tips to integrate right now to embody the highest version of yourself hosted by me. So go to lifeeditbykrista.com or almost30.com to learn more about that. Do not miss this one. This is the perfect time of year to do it. I literally just, I cleaned a drawer and I know that's like a very small slice of the life edit, but I cleaned a drawer last weekend. I was a new person. New person. I literally was a new person. It was the most, it was the craziest thing. And what I realized was that every time I looked at that drawer... I was subconsciously really fucking stressed out. Yes. And I, it was like taking up space. It's so, actually true. It happens to your brain. Yeah. And every time you look at it, you're like, I should do that. And I'm 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 very much like an aesthetic person where when things are organized, simple, minimal, blah, 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 I'm so peaceful. Yeah. So when I, but I'm bad about drawers. Oh, drawers yeah. I fuck up. Well, they say in feng shui, it's like, it's okay if it's in a drawer, but eventually you have to get to the drawers. Yes. And, and kind of- work with the drawers. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Life Edit will kind of go through all the physical, the spatial. We'll talk about relational, you know, cleaning up the relational life and getting honest, mental health, wellness, digital. It's going to be really powerful. Cannot wait. All right, y'all. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure you're subscribed to the show everywhere you listen so new episodes can drop into your box every single week. Thank you for writing a review for Almost 30. That means so much to us and really helps our show. It's a free way that you can support Almost 30 and we appreciate you. Yes, and we're on YouTube. So get at us on YouTube. You can watch video. You can watch a video of this. It's super fun. And we'll see you on the next one. Bye, everybody. Okay. Well, I'm so happy Let's you're roll. here. I'm happy to be here. I'm pumped you're here. Also, I'm happy we met. I know, Fuck yeah. Trying to be neutral amongst the... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel that. Amongst the superwoman, Lily. <laughs> um, it was such a pleasure to watch her TED Talk. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank How you. How did that feel? Like, Okay, I have this thing where I'm always brutally honest. So that's what you're going to always get from me. 
I don't recommend anyone do it. <laughs> I actually have heard that. Okay. I've heard that I'm many not, times. Okay, yeah. okay, perfect. Uh, listen, such a great experience. It was when, when I was done, I was so relieved in a way I've never been relieved before. But it is was 19 months of memorization. There is no teleprompter. There's no, te- no one has ever used a teleprompter in a TED Talk. So have so much more respect for any TED Talk you've ever seen. But, you know, I was like, hey, I want to talk about something I'm passionate about. I really think I can get the message across because I just had finished late and I had a lot of stuff to offer. So I was happy I did it. It was one of the hardest things I've ever done. But I, I, I regret nothing. But would I ever do another TED Talk? Probably not. I heard the preparation is insane and the requirements around it. Yes. What did that look like? So it's first you got to present the TED team with a bunch of ideas. Like, here's what I could talk about. Here's another direction I could go. And then they'll pick a direction for you. And you're like, cool. Then you make an outline. And they'll give you notes on the outline. Then you do a first draft. And they give you notes on the first draft. And then there's just so many layers of fact checking. Because obviously they want to make sure every single thing you say is true. Things down to, like, this is how I knew it was a bunch of nerds. And I was like, I love all of you. (laughs) So in my TED Talk, I say, gratitude is a great word. You know, gives you a solid 17 points in Scrabble. So after my first dress rehearsal, they came up to me and they're like, it's actually 11 points in Scrabble that gratitude would give you. So it's like, yeah. okay, it's, they're serious. <laughs> Thank wow. God for you. I know. But it is crazy. <laughs> the On the Scrabble internet, someone would, would be like, came for me. 100%. They'd be like, this was nice, but <laughs> yes, <exactly. laughs> does she know? <laughs> does she even respect Scrabble? Yes, honestly. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it was powerful. And it, was just really beautiful, like after the late night experience to see you kind of come up with that and just speak to all of the things that you went through in such a powerful way. And it always seems like you channel things that you're going through into art and into creating. Do you feel like that's been part of the trend of your career? Yeah, I think uh, I always try to pull from my lived experiences because I know them. And I also feel like there are things I haven't seen very often on screen a lot of the times, whether it's my upbringing or my parents or my point of view culturally. This late night experience, definitely. We've never really had, at least not for 30 years, a woman in late night. And I'll be really honest, it was scary because I had to go up there and say, shout outs, you know, to NBC, which I still really respect them for trying. But then I had to proceed to be like, these are all the things that don't work with the system that is created. And that's scary because you don't want Hollywood to be like, oh, she went on stage and she's talking about what's wrong with us. But I was like, I think this is important. And I think this could really move the needle. And I think we need to have those conversations. So I always try to pull through my lived experiences to try making the world better. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Isn't it interesting how it's like Hollywood, the entity? Yes. Mm -hmm. Like feeling like it is, it can change your career based on one thing you do rather than kind of having more individualized relationships and experiences within Hollywood. I guess, when did you realize that that was a thing? like within Hollywood, within entertainment, kind of having that awareness of, ooh, I got to like kind of watch myself. Honestly, the late night show taught me a lot of that. When I first got Mm -hmm. the late night show, I think that was my first step into like, okay, this is traditional. The oldest, most archaic, traditional media we can get into late night television. That's me coming from YouTube. So I'm on like two sides of the spectrum now. I'm like doing the late night show being like, are you not going to get me to pose for a thumbnail? What is happening? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You're like, so I'm like, ah! I'm like doing poses yeah. with thumbnails. And so I'm like trying to figure it all out. Um, but I, when I got the late night show, that's when things just kind of overnight switched. Yeah. From the people that started following me, the conversations I started having, the outlets started reaching out to me. And I realized that, oh, I just now got permission to be part of this bigger world. And it just felt like this huge force that had no name, had no face. 
It was just a system of beliefs that suddenly was like, you are now accepted wow. into this world. Mm. And from that day, I learned like, oh, this is going to be a lot and it's going to be hard and it's going to be amazing, but it's just going to be something I have to navigate. And did you feel like, because I, I was even talking to a friend about this, you know, because she's in the space that we're in and it's like, she's talking about wanting a TV show. And it's like, I was just kind of thinking, I'm like, why is it always that kind of thing where it's in, you're in YouTube, then you're like, I want the traditional media to accept me and I want to be part of this. And then you're in it and you're like, oh. I have a theory about this. Yes. My theory, because I asked myself the same question. Yes. When I mm. had my YouTube channel, I had full creative control. Yes. I still do on my YouTube channel. Made all my own choices. Yes. No legal department, no gatekeeper. I did yes. and said what I wanted. And to be honest, it got a lot more views probably than a lot of traditional media does these yeah. days. So I had to ask myself the question, why are you doing this thing that you think is a step forward that in a lot of ways could be considered a step backwards? And I've chalked it up to, again, going back to my lived experience, growing up for me, I still idolized TV and movies. You know, I still had the experience of being like, oh my God, she's an actress. She has a TV show. You watched in your living room. I don't think the younger generation is going to have that same desire to be like, I want a TV show. Mm -hmm. I, I think they're, they don't have the difference of traditional and digital celebrity. And they're going to be like, no, I, why would I want that? I have TikTok. Yes, And exactly. I have 100%. one billion people following me on TikTok. <laughs> yes, so I, no, I don't need I'm your legal <laughs> yeah. department telling yes. me what to do on TV. Yes. You know, but I still grew up with that. And so yes. I think it's just something I'm chasing within me because I, I idolized that growing up. Yes. And also changing possibly changing the landscape within those more like yeah. traditional movies, TV, and just almost like <laughs> infiltrating in a nice way. Yeah. You know, getting in there and yeah, and changing And it. I also will say is, and I love, you know, I love social media. I love the digital space, but I do also believe that there's different platforms for different stories. You know, there's some stories that are just better long form. They're better on a big screen and some that are better for social media. And so I want to explore just, you know, mm -hmm. the different things out there. Yeah. Not seeing not seeing a lot of your own lived experience represented in media. I'm curious like how just your family took to you becoming a public figure, figure and creator and what that yeah. experience was like. Well, let me start by saying, you know, when I got the late night show and every interview I did, they were like, has it always been your dream to be a late night host? And I was like, no. <laughs> because, because the thing is, most people who have that dream grew up watching late night with their parents. Yeah. My parents, there's no way they would relate to late night television. Yeah. Like, love Jimmy, love, love Seth, love all of them. My parents would have no idea what they're talking about, yes. to be honest. So I never had that experience. We watched, you know, the closest thing we had was Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, mm -hmm. or like Sister, Sister, or Family mm -hmm. Matters, and things like that. The and best. That, the best. <laughs> and then a lot of Bollywood. So when I started to get into media, my parents, I think like most people had no idea what to think. Like, what could this even look like? What does this mean? You're going to make YouTube videos? Like, they couldn't connect the dots to you're going to do TV and mm -hmm. movies. Like, how was that even possible? And so it was just a lot of confusion and a lot of making it up as I went along. Now that I'm more in it, I think my community, the Indian community, is starting to figure out what it looks like through shows like Never Have I Ever. And, you know, there's and the new season of Bridgerton's coming out and there's South Asians. I'm like, yes! <laughs> South Asians are going to talk about sex! <laughs> I can't wait! That's I can't amazing. wait for all the aunties to be so pissed. Um, but now that we're seeing it, we're starting to understand it. And I think we're all just figuring it out. Like, what does it mean now for our culture to be on the big screen? And the truth of the matter is it's wonderful and it's also hard because when you're a minority, you only have a few shows 
that mm. represent your experience. Mm-hmm. And you want those shows to be everything. Yes. And they can't be everything. So the, the double-edged sword to this is when you have a few shows, you'll get a lot of critique of those shows. Because someone will say, well, that was not my experience growing up. And that's not how my parents were. Because they, in their mind, they're like, this is our one show and it has to be my show. So the hard part is, is that you want two shows to satisfy everyone's experience in South Asia. And there's like a billion people there. Yeah, did you feel pressure? You know, it's like, so you're a woman in the space of on late night. And then you're also a woman of color. And it's like, did you feel pressure of both to do that? And how did you reckon with like your own experience doing that? Like giving space for your own actual experience of it and then feeling like you have the pressure. I feel pressure all the time. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) At every moment in the day. I'm actively working to not feel as much pressure. But definitely one of the times in my life where I felt it the most was the late night show because yes, all the headlines said, first woman in 30 years, first woman of color, first queer woman, first Mm -hmm. South Asian. There were so many just different headlines. And also I had come out as bisexual like a few months prior to that because I was like, let me make my life harder right now. Let me just just do all the things that will make my life hard because Mm. that's just the crazy person I am. And what was tough was I was just trying to feel comfortable up there. Like, I want to talk about all these things that make me who I am. And I feel like this is my responsibility to do that. But then on the flip side, a lot of the critique I would get, probably from a lot of men, I'm just going to say it, usually from men was, we get it, you're a woman. We get it, you're queer. We get it, you're South Asian. And they made me feel really self-conscious about talking about myself to the point where I start to count the number of times I'd be like, am I talking about being a woman too much? Mm. Am I talking about, you know, being queer too much? And I hated being in that space because I thought, are other late night hosts having to think about how many times they sound white or they sound like a man Mm -hmm. or they sound like all of these other things? And so that was not a nice feeling for me to have to really monitor every part of myself, you know? It's weird too, because in YouTube, you don't like, you censor kind of, but it's like not that was your experience of creating, doing, never just putting it out. And then it's like your first experience with like self-censorship where you hear yourself like, is this okay? Is this, you know, and that that's terrible. And it's also because, and I talk about this in my TED talk where I'm at a table now. I'm, I'm the only woman at this yeah. table of late night hosts. And so everyone else, the entire audience is used to everyone else at the table. And yeah. so now when the network comes and says something like, don't over index on South Asian stuff. Obviously I hate hearing that. But at the same time, I'm like, it's because the audience is not used to seeing that and they're looking at audience numbers. And so it's like a lose-lose situation where you're trying to bring in a new audience, but trying to appease an existing audience. And so it's just so tough to actually have a seat at that table. Yeah. Mm. During that time, like, what did your support system look like to be able to kind of like have a conversation about your experience with this and also trying to, you know, be live up to the expectations or just feel successful with this particular gig. And it's like, how did you support yourself? Mac and cheese. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I'm I'm sad to tell you that I, there was no time for a support system. Like I could sit here and be like, therapy really helped. There was no time for me to do therapy during that schedule. I I would come home every night eat as quick as I could, read all the scripts for the next day, go to bed and do the next thing. The next day, they do the same thing again. And it was 96, the first season was 96 episodes in three months. That's illegal. That, it, That's I, illegal. I feel like it should have broken some sort of record, to oh, be honest. I don't think insane. that is Is that normal? Before. No. Mm-hmm. So normal is one episode a day and on Thursdays, 
Usually a host will shoot two. Okay. I did two to three episodes every day. And so, and again, I say this, and I this is the woman of me coming out. I say this not to be like, oh, my life was so hard, but to just show you the, the issues of like, yeah. why championing a new voice requires resources. It's not just about being like, you have this show. It's about, here's all the things that will make it actually succeed, <laughs> which yes. I wasn't given, right? It was it was rough. Ment- mentally, I was in the worst shape. Physically in the worst shape. Emotionally in the worst, worst shape ever. Probably during those two seasons. Second season got a lot better. Still was pretty rough, but it was after that show ended, there was a lot, a lot of work to be done to build my mental health back for sure. And your nervous system too, because you're like, all right. And you're just, you have a dream. You achieved the dream. You're doing the dream. You're like, this doesn't feel like the dream. Now I'm self-censoring. Now I'm not taking care of myself. And it's like, yeah, it's just a lot. So for your health, and in season two, you said it got better. I was actually curious because I know you do so much. Like, And in your book, Be a Triangle, you talk a lot about meditation, sort of the changes that you made. But did you have to get to the point where you're like, yo, I got to do something. Like, this is Absolutely. bad. Yeah, mm-hmm. of course. Well, it's actually what you just said. So I convinced myself that my dream was to be in showbiz. You know, and I'll be really honest with, as a kid— I think because I was raised in in a, an environment and culture where girls weren't the most celebrated, you know, I always have had a chip on my shoulder to be like, I have to prove myself. Whether or not that's unhealthy, not debating that. I'm saying that's just the truth. I've always wanted to prove myself. I know the one thing a lot of people understand, especially the men in Indian culture, which are the ones that were disappointed about me being a girl, one thing they'll understand is influence, money, fame and power. I know they'll understand that. And and so I'm honestly not ashamed to admit anymore that that's why I chased this job because I had money, fame, power, and influence. And I convinced myself that was the dream to just be on screen. What the late night show taught me was that, no, my dream actually should be to work so hard that I can get in a position to call the shots and do what I love to do. It is What I love to do is not just every opportunity that comes in my inbox, which is what the late night show was. Because when it came to me, did Was it a dream of mine that I'd grown up wanting to do? No. The reason I said yes is because I knew it was historic in nature. That was not a sustainable feeling to get me through multiple seasons of that <laughs> yes. show. Mm-hmm. You know, and I learned that I have to have fun and I have to be passionate. I have to, so my dream is now to be in rooms and be involved in projects where I'm like, no, you know what? I've earned my stripes to say I can have fun. And I can do something that makes me feel great. A character I love to play. A, a group of people I love to work with. Regardless of the historic paycheck, da 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 of it all. And that's where I'm at right now. Yeah, and even in your book, you talked about like prioritizing selfish kind of seems selfish to older generations. Mm-hmm. And I've felt like that too, where it's like our generation's like, I want to be happy or I want to be fulfilled or I want to have these things. And the older generation's like, oh, like feels like they have to survive or make ends meet. What has that transition for you been like where you're like, oh, I can enjoy my life? It's been a tough one because as a, as a kid of immigrants, there's usually a lot of guilt when you're like, I'm going yeah. to— When I told my mom, mom, I need to draw boundaries, my mom was like, say what now? <laughs> say what now about who boundaries? <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm going to come over so, and we're going to talk exactly, about this. You want to talk boundaries? about boundaries? Yes, Let me yes. show you what boundaries yes. <laughs> You know what I mean? So I used to feel a lot of guilt of even bringing up those conversations. And I had to do a lot of work, and I talk about this in the book, I had to do a lot of work to dissect this generational trauma. And what has really helped me is identifying where these behaviors even come from. You know, because for so long, I used to be that brat kid. I was that brat teenager that was like, oh, mom, you always care about what people think. 
and you always, you know, don't care enough about me and you want to appease our aunts and uncles and you don't let me celebrate my success and you're so critical and I would just judge my parents. And then in my adulthood, I had to really be like, okay, why are your parents like that? (laughs) And I had to dig and I've concluded that my parents and most Indian parents in a lot of cultures care what people think because when they immigrated, those people were all they had. My parents immigrated to Canada in the 1970s with a small group of people, their family, and that was their only community, was their only support system. So they had to care what those people thought because if those people thought ill of them, their support system would disappear. And the reason my mom is so critical of things and doesn't usually celebrate wins, but really, really focuses on when something goes wrong is because she was born in a place where there was a billion other people fighting for resources. And so when something went wrong, she had to fix it to survive. When something went right, she could not, she could not afford to spend that energy celebrating something when she could just be like, okay, great, another thing I don't have to solve. So really learning my parents' experience helped me realize that, oh, that is why they are the way they are. However, those tools they used, I can recognize I'm no longer in the time and place that requires those tools. And so what I've learned that, yes, my parents might think care what people think, but now me today in my time and place, I don't need to be on social media caring what people think. So I'm trying to identify those tools they've used and decide whether or not they're beneficial for me where I am in my life. And that's been really helpful. Yeah, I think that's so helpful just in our relationship with our parents because inevitably they grew up in a different generation, a different place and had different experiences and we can feel so so like suffocated by the way in which they hope our futures are and the way in which our success trajectory goes. And yeah, I feel like we both both experienced kind of the breaking away of these like expectations and ways of doing things. Did you have an actual conversation with your parents or was this more so you individually just kind of owning more of how you are approaching this and they kind of witnessed that and... Yeah, I did have a conversation with my parents. It was, honestly, my coming out had a lot to do with my relationship with my parents now. Mm -hmm. And I speak about this in the book as well, where I think me coming out created a little bit of a rift in our relationship, not to anyone's fault, even though it was easy for me to be like, ah, my parents didn't say exactly what I wanted them to say. And I'm sure they were just like, what is Lily talking about? You know, I think that space was necessary for me to do this work to figure out like, oh, actually, there's there's not right or wrong. There's different in this scenario. And it's the best thing that has ever happened to us because as my parents and I have started to really, I don't even want to say mend because it wasn't broken, but really reconstruct our relationship, we communicate so much more openly now. And we are so much more just vulnerable with each other. My mom has been so much more vulnerable with me as well, explaining like her fears for me or explaining why she is the way she is. And that's something she's never done before. So... We're just in a beautiful place where we both, you know what it is? We both give each other credit, which I think we never did that before. I give them credit for meeting me where I am and they give me credit for being like, you are doing incredible things. So we've just met each other at this place where we have appreciation for each other. Mm, That's beautiful. I'm happy for you. We hope you're enjoying this conversation. We're going to take a few moments to share brands with you that we love and who support this show. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. And if you hang out with Lindsay and I off the record or even on the podcast as much as you do, you know we are such 
fans of therapy. I go to personal therapy. I've been going for the past two years and I also go to couples therapy and it has helped me so much to understand myself, to be a better person, to be a better friend, to be a better wife. It has been so powerful. And if you're scared, I was just like you. I, for so long, put it off. I felt like I'd be exposed. I felt like I couldn't trust someone. I had so many issues and preconceptions about therapy. And now that I do it, I couldn't recommend it more. Yeah, it's truly number one. I mean, we take care of ourselves in so many other ways. And then we like kind of leave our mentals to the side. I feel like this one, number one, and affects everything else. So if you're curious about therapy, this is your sign. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's very customizable in that way. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy. And you can give it a try if, say, your therapist that you're matched with, you don't vibe with. They make it super easy to change. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. And Almost 30 listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash almost 30. 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash almost 30. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash almost 30. I just got excited to do this ad spot for you guys because I got my base test results back. Mm -hmm. So if you listen to the pod, you know we are obsessed with tracking our health and wellness and nutrition through base. So they send these really easy tests to your house that you can take at home and then send into the lab and then get your results directly to your phone. So it feels super private. It feels super personal. And what I like most about BASE is that all of the recommendations they've given for me when my tests weren't optimal or my results weren't optimal are mostly things that I can do on my own today. So it's things like cold therapy, it's things like sprint intervals or increasing my protein or getting more sunlight. They're all really holistic, powerful things we can add to our day. So I couldn't recommend base enough, especially, I know you ladies love learning more about your hormones. They can test your hormones. Yeah, this is an incredible company. We had Lola on the podcast. She's the founder of base. So check out that episode to learn more. But this easy at-home lab testing is the way it literally comes to your door. You do either a saliva test or a finger prick test. It's very, very, very easy. I can do it in five minutes or less. And then I just send it off. I get my results to my phone in less than 10 days. You can choose from five key areas that affect your quality of life, like stress, energy, sex drive, diet, and sleep. Um, And it's just so fast, so comprehensive, and so accurate. I am currently working on my vitamin D levels. So um, it's really common to have low vitamin D levels or below normal, and you have to supplement. So whether it's a supplement or eating more foods with vitamin D and obviously getting as much sunlight um, as you can, but it won't get better on its own. So you really have to make that effort. Yeah. And that shows up in your mood. Mm -hmm. That shows up in your skin. That can affect so many different areas of your body. So if you're feeling like you aren't feeling really good all the time, or you're not feeling like you have the right energy or libido, or you might feel stressed more often than usual, I highly suggest checking in with your body and really confirming the natural cues that it's giving you through testing with base. If you want to try base for yourself, you can save 20% off your first month of membership with code ALMOST30. What's awesome is that they will send you retests so you can keep up with your progress. Membership starts at $59.95 a month or $59.95 quarterly, depending on how frequently you want to test and optimize. Visit 
get-base.com forward slash almost 30 to learn more or enter the code almost 30 at checkout to save 20% on your membership. One more time, that's get-base.com slash almost 30 or use the code almost 30 at checkout. Sometimes it's like you have to go first with your parents and be like, you know what, I'm going to do the work to understand you and then give you credit for it. And then they're like, wow, we can do this. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, yeah. mm-hmm. you have to like parent them and be like, we can give each other credit. doesn't mean I'm going to like stop and be homeless. Like, right. yeah, doesn't mean I'm going to like not do anything. With your coming out, was that something that you had like on your heart and you were like, you know what, it feels like the right time and this feels like the right thing for me? Or can you talk a little bit about yeah, that journey? absolutely. So I don't have the experience, although maybe some of my relatives and cousins might be like, are you sure? But I don't <laughs> have the experience of someone who in high school and university was like, I have this secret and I can't tell. Mm. I literally always dated boys, always was the first to make a move. I was that girl. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to be the first Say to no I'm, like, I'm flirting. Yeah. I'm going to do all yeah. that. Feel that. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. so <laughs> when I, you know, I always felt though in all of my relations that something is just a little bit locked inside me. And I don't know what it is. And so I used to chalk it up to, I have trust issues. You know, maybe it's just the cultural stigma of this. I chalked it up to everything else. And I think a lot of it had to do with, there wasn't a single que- openly, I should say openly queer person in my high school. Growing up in Toronto, in university, I knew exactly one queer person and he was he was identified as a man and he, I was so unlike him. You know, he was so gay and he used to be like, oh, I can't even think about girls. And I was like, well, I don't relate to that either. And so I really just was like, I maybe I haven't found the one. Moving to LA really introduced me to a bunch of people, you know, and introduced me to this idea of, no, there's a bunch of sexualities and a, there's a huge spectrum. And that opened my mind to, oh, Maybe it doesn't have to be this extremes. Maybe I fall somewhere in the middle. And so it was about a month before my 30th birthday. And I'm sitting in my in my room. And I was like, I think I need to figure this out. Because I haven't dated someone in a long time. I know there's some part of me. And I just said it out loud for the first time. And I came out to my dog. And I said, I think I'm bisexual. And it was the first time I ever said it. And it felt right. Instantly, I was like... I lost 10 pounds off me. And when I tell my friends this, they're like, we're not surprised. And I'm like, well, I am. I'm surprised because yes. I didn't come up to I myself. I realize that's like not the reply that you it's, want. It's not. I have a friend. It's like, he's like, you don't want to hear that. When they're like, we knew. Yeah. We knew. Because it's, it's like, frustrating. Dude, because a lot of times that person is, is yes. confused and they don't even fully yes. know, right? And so anyways, being the type A person I am, that night I was like, open up my notes app. In the next 30 days, I will tell every person close to me this news because 30 was such a big age yeah. for me. You know, I don't know when you're younger, you're like, by 30, you have to have it fixed. Oh my God. You know, this po- podcast yeah. is so wrong. By 30, <laughs> you're going to be married and have kids and figure out your whole life. And you're, yes. And I was like, oh my God, I'm about to turn 30 and this is a huge part of me. I'm just figuring it out. How, how is this happening to me? So I told my, my parents were the last people on the list. I came out to them a week before my 30th birthday. Because I wanted to have this part of me out, but also I was like, they're not going to be mad at me the week of my birthday. Yeah. <laughs> I literally had that thought. I was Happy like, birthday! Yeah, exactly. I was like, and by the way, my birthday's coming up, so yeah, it's like you can't be cake. mad at me. You're like, wow, <laughs> that would have been smart on my yes. cake. Yes. Oh, that would have been good. Oh, that if I could redo it, yeah. that's what I would do. Absolutely. Um, but that's what I did. I, in 30 days, came to every person important to me, like my life is a movie. 
And then months after I told my parents is when I did that tweet where I told essentially the world. And that's what my parents were really confused about, to be honest. Why do you need to tell the world? And again, because my parents are from a place that's very private and community. And it was important for me, not that I think I need to put a label on myself and not that I think I need to now define myself this way, but it was important for me because in my life and in this industry, we very rarely get to control our narrative. And the last thing I ever wanted was for someone else to say this news or for someone else to post a picture. And I, more than anything, there's so many coming out videos of people crying. And there's so many very sad stories of people coming out, especially for South Asians. And I wanted to be like, you know what? I'm going to do a celebratory tweet, being like, this is who I am and I'm proud of it, to show you know my fans and some of my younger fans that, look, there's a different way of being this, this person. It doesn't have to be traumatic. Even though maybe there's parts of it, you can also celebrate this. And I wanted to do that. It's beautiful. Were you scared about the reaction from fans, from the industry? I knew my fans would be supportive. And they were so supportive. I knew there would also be people online that were not supportive. And there also were. I know this because the tweet that bothered me the most was, oh, this is why you got a late night show. No, because that's how that works. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, what I was most scared of, honestly, was, and I don't think I've ever admitted this, was the relatives and people in the South Asian community that I didn't tell that would find out through this way. That was really tough. And I, I also will say, I have, I have a lot of sympathy, even though I identify as part of this community now, I have a lot of sympathy for queer people because when I did identify as straight before, I, I don't think I realized this straight privilege that I had. Before I came out, the days leading up to it, I had so much anxiety. Like I couldn't sleep. I remember walking around in, in restaurants and places and I would feel like everyone was looking at me, like they knew. And it was the most horrible feeling. And so after I did that tweet, the first thing I did actually is I went on a walk. I didn't even check. I went on a walk and I was like, oh, maybe everyone's not looking at me. <laughs> and it was the strangest thing to, to really you convince yourself like the world is going to turn mm. on you and it won't and it doesn't. And that was a nice thing to realize. It's also like, it's funny. It's like you're famous. So people are kind of looking at you. You know what I mean? It's like in a way they are, but not for that. Yes. But when you have that story in your head, you're like, this is exactly what's happening. With your friends, you know, was that an experience that brought you all closer and felt like really nourishing for you? Yeah, with some of my friends. Like I said, my friends are just so chill. So they were just kind of like, yeah, cool, whatever. Like, yeah, I'm chill. It, more so with my family, I would yeah. say. I say with, it made, really made a difference with my family and also just with myself. Yes. I learned so much about myself. Yes. And just even going back, I want to tell a quick anecdote because it's, I want to show you how much it doesn't make sense in your brain. I had an audition a couple of weeks before coming out where it was to play. I didn't sign an NDA, so I think I'm fine saying this. Uh, I was to play. <laughs> you know in Jumanji? So I don't know if you know this. Growing up, I idolized Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And I still do. Yes, like my so mentor. So I just love. am like obsessed. Like obsessed. Like my biggest hero growing up. It was to play the woman in the red dress who like has yes. an intimate scene with him in Jumanji. It was to play that role. Yes. So obviously I'm like, my life has led me <laughs> to Yo, this 100%. moment. You're like, manifestation works, bitches. So I walk into the audition, but on my mind, I'm like, I'm going to come out to my parents in a few days. I'm so stressed. I'm so stressed. So I convinced myself that this casting director knows that when I'm playing this role of kissing Dwayne, she knows I'm actually queer. And she knows I'm bi. And she knows it's a different part of me. I, that is the only audition in my life I've ever choked. 
where I had to walk out of the room because I could not do. And that feeling of being like this audition, this role. And that's actually the thing that drove me to be like, I can't do this anymore. Wow. I need to live my truth. But it took me that. Mm. It's also it. the stereotypical. It's interesting because it's like symbolic. Because you're the woman in the red dress. You're kind of like the damsel in distress. And it's like, you weren't, like you're kind of leaving that behind. Like this gender normative role of right. being the woman in the red dress. The sexy woman that's like with the strong man and, that's really interesting. I love that you put it that way because that's so insightful. I just didn't get to make out with Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Yeah. 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 How, how I, I don't think he'd be I'm, a good kisser. Oh my God. I can't <laughs> hear that. I can't hear like, this at all. It'd be like too angular. He's perfect. <laughs> He's perfect in every way. And that's I'm sorry because I know we're friends crush. now. He's you just my like mentor. <laughs> and I'm sorry, Dwayne. I hate that I always have to talk to you about talk like this <laughs> yeah. about you. But You're I like, I'm about to leave the interview. Don't worry, Dwayne. I hated them from the start. I will die on this hill. I kind of see him being a little delicate, actually. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You might bounce off his rock hard body, yes. but like it will be, <laughs> yes. it will be oh, delicate. Oh, this is going to, he's going to text so me about this. But yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I hope he listens. Yeah. That'd, be, that'd be cool. <laughs> yeah, literally. He's like working out. He's like, oh, let's go girls. <laughs> I always just think about his cheats. He's like, oh my cheats. God, I know. His cheat game his is cheat, fucking it, oh crazy. My, his cheat meals? It's, it's like, like 60 rolls of sushi. Yeah. Four, <laughs> four large pizzas. <laughs> you've watched this? I oh, love. hell yeah. That's oh, stuff amazing. like, that's like a, previously disordered eating person, yeah. I'm like, fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like my life of restriction. I'm like, let's do this, Dwayne. It's amazing. <laughs> and I'm always like, you can eat that much? Yo. It's crazy. Yo. It's think crazy. about your shits after that. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy you too. I like you. I, I would this. like to be friends. Okay. okay. Literally. We're done. We'll hang out at your house. We'll okay. leave the shithole behind. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, sorry. I wanted to talk. Did he just almost punch you in the face because you yeah, put a water bottle like, on the thing? Yeah. Stop He's like, water bottle. Oh, 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 oh. Stone it again. <laughs> um, I also keep trying to turn myself back to the guy. I keep going like this and I'm like, yeah. Tommy, I don't want Tommy to. I don't want. And then you're like, tilt, you're like tilting yourself. You're like, yeah. so your camera's okay. <laughs> I want to. I mean, you have so much going on. Yeah, it stresses me out. No, it's. I mean, it's it's wild, and I understand why you have a team to support you and just keep you organized, but also in your genius. You know, I think that's what we've found like too in building a team. It really allows you of many things. It allows you to be in your genius mm -hmm. as much as possible in your creativity. How are you navigating being creative as much as possible while still, you know, saying yes to things, being discerning? Like, what is that like for you today? And where are you finding the most creative expression right now? So I was really bad at this for a long time. I was a yes woman, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Oh, this opportunity came about and Same. it's cool. Yes, 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 yes. Now, this from this year, I've been very intentional. The top this year, they know, they're right here. I had a meeting with my whole team and I was like, these are my priorities. Yeah. Yep. These are my only priorities, which means it doesn't matter what else comes to my inbox and how cool it is. If it does not align with these priorities, we will not be doing it. It is as simple as that. Because you will drown in this industry. You will drown trying to say yes to everything. I also realized that I wasn't as focused as I usually am. And that's why last year I wasn't that creative. I was doing a lot of admin busy work that doesn't didn't fulfill me. Didn't make me feel any type. I was doing a lot of events where I'm like, do I even care about the thing I'm talking about here? Yeah. And so I've had to really just decide what I care about. And the way I did this, this is a true story. I'm not lying to, to your dear listeners. I put my vision board in the shower. 
Cool. Yes. And just let it get wet? No. Well, well, let me explain. <laughs> let me explain because that's usually the follow-up question. I'm a big believer of visions to help you yeah. focus and yeah. all that stuff. So last year, my vision board, because I'm such an aesthetics queen in my house, we're just talking about vision board is not aesthetically pleasing. hundred yeah, percent. That's my biggest thing. I'm yes. like, oh, in my neutral palette, yes, I'm like this colorful bitch. vision board. Yes. Got this old L magazine no, money thing. I can't yeah. do that. It was in the back of my closet none of those visions came true. I was like, mm, the sacrifice for aesthetics, not cute. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I put it in my shower. I have a glass wall in my shower and I put it on the outside and I taped it so I can see it Smart. from the inside. And every day-ish, uh, when I take a shower, I look at my vision board and it has been a game wow. changer because I know exactly what my priorities are every single day and I only make actions towards those priorities. I've also gotten a lot better at delegating, which is hard for, I'm sure you're nodding. It's hard for people. I'm a control freak. I want to do everything, but I'm like, no, my job is to do what only I can do. It's be creative. It's make make the brain babies. And all these other people that I've hired that are so smart, let them be smart and let them do the thing they're good at. Well, you do the thing you're good at. Mm-hmm. That has been a learning process yeah. for sure. Yeah, it's so, it's so important. What is that control thing? Like, what is it the control thing yeah. around? Because I think you've, you've obviously built your brand, your career from the ground up. And started out with your hands fully in to the creative process, doing every part of it. I feel like from that position, it's hard to yeah. then delegate. I feel and like trust. everyone's always like, no one's gonna care as much as you. I'm like, that's the fucking problem. You know, know, like everyone's like, it's your thing. No one's gonna care as much as you. I'm like, yeah, and that's not okay with me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not. It's just like, well, yeah. will they? But is it realistic that, to think that, that other people thing. will? Yeah. I don't think I don't that's know. a fair thing because I think people on my team could care so much yeah. about me as much as they possibly could without yes. being me. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and I don't, think that's, I don't think it's fair to expect people to care as much. Yeah. I think you should care the most. But another thing I will yeah. say, I used to say this a lot too. My excuse mm. used to be, I used to do everything on YouTube myself. So that's why I'm such a control freak. Yes. But then I was like, but is that why? I know. <laughs> and I've had to dig into my life to be like, I think you just are an all or nothing person and you don't like to compromise. Mm-hmm. And delegating requires compromising. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I've had to address. Is that doesn't have to be all or nothing. That progress is in the middle. Yes. Somewhere, you know? mm-hmm. Did you with the YouTube career, I'm always curious about this. Like, did you have that like relatability thing where like you start and like you're doing everything. You're like, you just had to work so hard to buy your camera and you're not making money. And then you eventually start making money. And then you're as successful. Like, did you go through that trajectory where it's like, we love you because you're relatable. And then you're successful and everyone's like, you're not relatable. Did that happen? It definitely was a fear of mine where I'm like, oh, I probably shouldn't make a video about how annoying it was to be in first class and the flight was delayed. <laughs> yes. you know what I mean? yes. So I, I think it helps that I'm genuinely a pretty yes. cheap person. So that, that helps a lot. But one thing I've done is I've pivoted that mindset because I think there was a moment where I was like, no, I need to force relatability. But that is so counter, it's yeah. counterintuitive, right? Now what I've done, I actually did a post about this a couple months ago. Uh, I went to a… Lakers game. I'm, I'm, I'm a Raptors fan, but I went to a Lakers game. And I got courtside tickets. And I remember having this moment being like, should I post this? Because this is kind of douchey maybe. And then I was like, you know what? Actually, I remember being at that game and everyone just being so shocked that I was sitting courtside at that game. And I wasn't didn't look like anyone else sitting courtside. And I was like, actually, if it means I'm not relatable, but I can actually set a new standard for what's possible for my community, I'm actually going to do that. Yeah. So I made that post being like, no, I am going to flex. Yes, I'm going to flex if I have the ability to flex because mm-hmm. so many times when I go places, people treat me like I don't belong. Like I, In that post, I talked about where I went on a vacation to Bora Bora. And I was so proud of this vacation. It was awesome. And there was one woman on the resort 
where she kept joking about how she thought I was staff there. And she kept saying it to my face every day I saw her. And she thought it was really funny. And she would tell other guests as well, oh yeah, this is the girl, I, th- I thought she was a staff that member here. That makes my eyes water to cry. Yeah, and she kept saying it to me. And I was like, oh, she just has never seen someone like me at a resort like this. Mm. And so, Whoa. mother effort, I'm going to flex now. Yo, bitch. Like, I'm yeah. going to flex. And I was like, that's what made me pivot from when I'm relatable, genuinely, I will be. But yeah. if I'm not, it's okay. Whoa. I will make a new thing relatable. Mm-hmm. That is so fucking crazy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Anyways, that's, that's my life. Like, that's like white woman vibes. <laughs> like, she we was, this I joke. didn't want to say, she's but she's staff. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty it is. It's like, this is our joke. It's our inside joke. You're like, that's literally so crazy. We'll be back in just a moment. But first, we want to share a little bit about the sponsors who support this episode. One of my favorite ways to spice up my sex life is House of Wise sex gummies. Yes, you heard it right. Sex gummies. So House of Wise sex gummies are made of horny goat weed extract, maca root extract, and ashwagandha to promote desire. And then it also includes a amazing hemp-derived CBD in every single gummy. These gummies are so delicious. They taste so good. You take one 30 minutes before you want to get intimate with your partner or even by yourself, and they change the game. I had a friend text me the other day. She said, I had one of my best sexual experiences <laughs> while taking House of Wise gummy, sex gummies. <laughs> and I cannot recommend them enough. Yeah, they're so good. And this is the first brand that Krista and I have found that like it works. Yes. The CBD is so powerful, so pure. Um, and I really believe the other ingredients that Amanda and the team have thoughtfully put into these products really enhance the CBD. So we love these products. I am currently loving these sleep gummies, actually. They have been so, so helpful. I don't have trouble sleeping, but I do love um, a signal to wind down at the end of the day. So I take my gummy 30 minutes before bed. It has melatonin and full spectrum CBD. And I just feel awesome both when I sleep and also when I get up. Sometimes you never know with something you take for sleep, but when I wake up, I feel so well rested and ready to go. So if you want to try House of Wise, could not recommend enough, whether it's to take control of your sleep, stress, sex, or strength. They have something for you. You can go to houseofwise.co, houseofwise.co, and you can use our code almost30 at checkout for 20% off. Again, your purchase will benefit the Last Prisoner Project, who they partner with, which is really incredible. You'll be giving back. Houseofwise.co, use our code almost30 for 20% off. I love HoneyBook. It is the one-stop shop for entrepreneurs, for our business. We can do contracts, we can schedule, we can send invoices, we can get paid. It is the one-stop shop for all entrepreneurs and small businesses to get everything you need done. Yeah, it really gives the client a great experience. Yes. You know, it's like automated, it's organized, and you don't have to worry about follow-ups. Like you can automate everything within HoneyBook and it just is incredible. Yeah, 93% of members would recommend HoneyBook to a friend. And I heard about it from someone that takes our photos and sent their invoices through HoneyBook. And I loved the experience. It was customizable. It was beautiful. It was modern. And I was like, we should try this. And now Mm -hmm. it has changed our business. It gives you all the tools you need to manage inquiries, legal contracts, scheduling, payment processing, and everything it takes to serve clients. And it just makes it really easy to communicate, to book, 
all the things. So if you are wanting to manage your workflow, your cash flow, highly recommend HoneyBook. Start your free trial at honeybook.com slash almost 30 and enjoy HoneyBook for $1 per month for the first six months with promo code almost 30. You talked about anxiety in the book and then even during the show. Was that something that your whole life, even someone being so public, anxiety feels almost like second nature a little bit where you're like, is this me? What has been your journey with your anxiety and how have you worked with it? So I don't think I always used to be an anxious person. I definitely think this industry kind of made me yeah. this way a little, yes. a little bit. I also think where my anxiety really peaked was and I think this is for a lot of people, the pandemic. And I want to clarify that for me, the pandemic, it wasn't just about being bored and having nothing to do. It wasn't just like, oh, my schedule's cleared and now I don't know what to do with my time. For me, it was a little bit deeper and sadder. And I don't know if anyone else had this experience, but I was like, oh, without my traveling, without the events and without the work, I actually don't know if I have any value. Like, I don't know if I have a purpose. Mm. That was a place I hated because I was like, oh, that means you're just like a shell of a human that has <laughs> a schedule yes. that doesn't actually have any meaning beyond these things. That's what prompted me to write this book. It was to figure out who am I without all of these things and what are my values and who do I want to be and where do I want to go in life if everything else disappeared. Maybe I would have never been faced with that reality if the pandemic never. I always say it's the silver lining of the pandemic. But the book is about creating a foundation for myself that is not dependent on my job or other people or other relationships or any accolades or even what's happening in my day. It is something, I, I wanted to build a foundation I could return home to regardless of all that stuff. Meaning if I won an Oscar tomorrow or if I utterly failed tomorrow, I could still return home to this mentality that I wanted to build. And that's what the book's about. It's about building this place and that's how I addressed my anxiety. I think my anxiety was rooted in just having no identity beyond mm. all of this stuff and all of these people. Um, because we never learned that in school. We were never taught that success was growing as a person. It was a salary or a number or a grade. And so I'm trying to do the work in this book that I've never, I never did as a kid. Yeah. I always think about that. I'm like, oh, I, I can't wait until schools, like the curriculum in schools mm -hmm. change to you know, this idea of outside validation, the grades, the working to get into college, the career, et cetera. Not that that's bad, mm -hmm. but having more of a balance. Yes. Of, I mean, I, I feel like the theme of coming home to yourself has been one that's like mm -hmm. been recurring just in our, in our orbit. So this is really, really beautiful and poignant. But yeah, I just feel like that, I heard you in an interview say that your career was growing, but mm -hmm. your spirituality was stagnant. Mm -hmm. So this book really feels like that commitment to that part of self yes. that you can come home to no matter what, whenever you want, no matter the chaos or peace. Mm -hmm. What are, can you explain like what being a triangle at a high yes, level is for absolutely. people? So the, I've written two books. My first book, the difference was I knew exactly what I wanted to write. I was like, I know all the stories. I know all the things. I hustle, hustle, hustle. I know it. Write it. This book, I was like, I actually don't know how to do this. So I had to do the work to figure it out. And so the book is that, me going on the journey to figure it out. I realized that the foundation I wanted to create was something that could not be altered, regardless of which direction life would throw me in. I wanted to always come home to the same place and set of values. So I need a strong foundation. And then I hopped on Google and I was like, strong foundation, strong foundation. 
Structurally, the strongest shape in the world is a triangle, which is why so many important buildings and so many diagrams we grew up with are triangles. So I thought, oh, I need to build my life like a triangle where all of my experiences from this point on can build on top of something without that shape being altered. And I do this little bit of imagery in the book where I say, you know, you, you build on top of a circle, it becomes an oval. You build on top of a square, it becomes a rectangle. You build on top of a triangle, it stays a triangle. It's just a bigger, better triangle. And so I wanted to build a foundation for myself like that, where tomorrow, like I said, no matter what happens, no matter who breaks my heart, no matter mm. who falls in love with me, I still have this set of values. And it was really important because I've had some pretty cool announcements in my life recently, professionally, that cool shows I've been a part of. And I've been practicing that where I'm like, oh, this show's really, really cool. I am not this show. The show is not me. This role does not define me. And even if the show succeeds or fails, it does not change my value as a person. So that is what coming home to myself has felt mm -hmm. like. With the, without late night, do you think you would have had that? You know, do you think you would have had, without late night, or was it the pandemic, where you're like, Tam, I need to really just see like who I am. Because I was on this trajectory and it hasn't brought me to the place where I feel like I'm more like myself. I feel almost not like myself. I do. I do think the late night experience and the pandemic, yeah. both in their own ways, the silver linings of both of those. And I, and that's why in some ways I'm grateful, as twisted as it sounds, for both of those because it showed me what's important and what I don't want. Sometimes to know what you want, you have to be shown what you don't want. The yes. contrast. You know? Yeah. Yes. Or else you'll just keep thinking that's the direction mm. you want to go. But sometimes the universe has to slap you in the face a little bit. Mm. No. How do you, as like a first step, how would you recommend people start to build that foundation? Well, in the book, I talk about that it's four easy things. Because I was like, I don't want to write a book and I don't want to, to be honest, even forget the book. I don't want to have a life where I have to remember a bunch of things to be a happy person that's fulfilled. You know, sometimes when you read a book and you're like, oh, now I got to do this in the morning. <laughs> yes, now I have to do yes. this. and I have to I'm too busy for that. I was like, let me actually just take away all the noise and let me break this down to four important things that matter to build my foundation. And they are as follows. Relationship to myself, relationship to the universe, understanding distraction, and implementing design. And really briefly, the relationship to myself is the only thing you'll ever be able to control. No other, <laughs> it's, it's the thing that matters the most. It is your relationship with yourself. Are you honest with yourself? Do you know who you are? Do you know where you want to be? Do you know what hurts you? Do you know, you know what makes you happy? Second, the relationship to the universe, possibly the biggest relationship we ignore in our lives. You know, I say in the book, we ignore 15 calls from mom, but 20 from the universe because it's not in our face. But Everything is an exchange with the universe. And the more we can understand that we're connected to something bigger and we have to give back to the universe and the universe has a plan for us, the better off we'll be. Understanding distraction is actually my way of thinking about gratitude. Because I think gratitude is such a, like I said, it's a word that gets thrown around a lot and it's impossible to be grateful all the time. So how I think about gratitude is I think about the land of gratitude is a place I want to be. I want to reside in gratitude. I don't want it to be so such a fleeting feeling. However, when I need to experience other emotions, I can leave that place with the knowledge of knowing I always want to return back to that place. And the thinking about that has helped me in a sense where something goes wrong in my day. It's a distraction from my gratitude rather than a place I need to stay and wallow in is how I think about that. And the last thing implementing design is just, we all have the artistic ability to create the life we want. So often we choose not to because we think opinions are facts and we think choices are not choices. We think women have to be a certain way. I can't do this as a job. I have to do this because of my family. I X, Y, Z. No, those are not facts. Those are choices that you've agreed to, things you subscribe to, 
you can choose to not do those things as well. Yeah, the the universe thing was, I really love to see that. And I really just love to hear that because I do feel like that's so, that was missing for me in a lot of my life was that like conversation and that awareness and that freedom and that purpose and that like safety that you get when you're like, yeah, we're in this together, we're working on this together. Like I understand there's a bigger plan. Do you pray or do you like, what's your spiritual game? I always say I'm not religious, I'm more spiritual. Yeah. I do a combination of- Very many. LA. Yeah, I know. Like, we get you, baby. We get it. Say no more. <laughs> there should be a latte yeah. in that for sure. Um, I, I think I do a mixture of meditation and praying, to be honest. I do believe in God. Um, I try to, med- I don't do it every day. I try not to be so rigid with my life. I try to do it every day, but if I miss a day, I give myself grace. I do meditate and I now, since I've written the book, I meditate while going over those four things. Relationship wow. to myself, relationship to the universe. It's changed the way I actually meditate. I love that. And and the connection to the universe, what I do is, I actually think it's important to not only, because I'll be honest, I used to be really selfish with the universe. I would always look up and just be like, give me, give me this. I need this. Help me do this. I'm I would never offer anything You get back. dumped and you're exactly. like, bring him back. Exactly. <laughs> and I'd get mad when it would happen. How could you do this? Me? Life sucks. Yeah. I've changed my mentality now where I spend the first bit of my meditation t- checking in with myself, but then I also spend a good amount just sending energy and love and light to who I think might need it. And I usually determine mm. that by what I'm going through. So if I wake up and I'm really nervous about a work thing, I will actually spend some of my meditation time thinking about everyone else that might be nervous about a work thing. And I'll be like, look, I am you and you are me and we're in different circumstances and we're in this together. Just you feel connected to something and you realize that energy is an exchange. And then you also realize that, you know what? The, the universe and you have a relationship, which means that you can't just be like, oh, life sucks and this sucks because the universe has given you so much. And you realize that more often than not, we're bad partners to the universe, yes. not the yes. other way around. Yes. You know, life usually doesn't suck. We're usually sucky to the, yes. to the universe, Yo. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the… I'm curious too, uh, just from our experience of being on a spiritual journey, coming back to like our bodies has been such a big piece of that. And whether it's like treating our bodies better or just being more embodied, what does that look like for you? I'm curious even like what you put in your body, kind of that whole experience, especially because you're doing so much. Yeah, You know, how do you kind of treat your body as that like temple of sorts? So like most things, I was bad at this. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know how you're so successful same. if you were bad at it. Well, no, I really was for a long time. Not during the late night show, even before that. I think I had that millennial mindset where I'm like, nah, I can do it. I can pull the all-nighters. And it's not even that I got older. It's that I start to feel crappy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I realized that I don't know if I want to be in the position where I sacrifice my body for the success anymore. Because my body helps me walk up the stairs. My body helps me get up in the morning. And I've really been treating it like crap. Not giving it sleep. Making it do the one day trips. Places like I just… So it has definitely been a priority of mine recently where I've started to move my body more. Really consider what I put into my body. I'm actually right now happy to say I'm in the best shape I've ever been in my life. Fuck yeah. Take it off. Show us what's good. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Take it off in the studio. Actually. (laughs) But I'm in the best shape because I have been like, oh, you know what? No. I unsubscribe, going back to ideas I don't believe in anymore. I unsubscribe from the idea that I have to sacrifice my body to be successful. Mm. I think I can actually be healthy and be successful. We're not told that enough. You know, and even in my first book, I'm like, hustle, hustle, hustle. And I still believe you got to hustle to get to where you want to get to. But I don't believe that for years in your whole life, you need to sacrifice your body. I don't believe that. Yeah, I saw in Be a Triangle too that 
you incorporated some meat. Yes, some, yes, which yes. is powerful. I, I won't lie. And this is actually the first time I've talked talked about yeah. this. You guys got the exclusive. <laughs> yeah, but I was a vegetarian for twelve years because I, for ethical reasons, not religious, and everyone sees me. They're like brown person, religious. But it <laughs> yeah, was obviously, a, like, it, of course. Mm. <laughs> um, it was just for for my, I didn't want to have to consume another animal if I didn't have to. I didn't think I was above another animal. And so for 12 years, I was a vegetarian, proud vegetarian. And in the last like six years, I had to come to terms with the fact that I'm really unhealthy. I'm a bad vegetarian. I eat pasta and pizza all day. I travel a lot and I travel to a lot of countries that don't necessarily understand vegetarianism. And so I'd be in hotels and the only option would be a pizza. And so, you know, I got a blood test back. My sodium was through the roof because I would eat a lot of just like salty replacement foods. And so I was like, okay, this was probably the hardest thing I had to unsubscribe to. I was like, you need to get healthy. I started selectively eating just really like organic, natural meats. And that helped me get, for me, and I'm not, I want to emphasize, it's not me saying you need to eat meat to be healthy. No, I think you can be really healthy, vegan and vegetarian. I just couldn't where I was and I needed to get back. So yes, I started eating meat and um, I really hope one day I can go back to being vegetarian. But I know right now I just need to do what's right for me. Yeah, yeah, and it's just like allowing your life to evolve. And mm-hmm. I've been vegetarian for a long time, yeah. but it is one of those things where I'm like, I kind of know in my heart, I might be a little bit more healthy and balanced mm-hmm. if I wasn't. And it's like, how much are we subscribed to like dogma where we're mm-hmm. like, I can only do this to be a good person. This says that I'm not if I do these things. Yes. So it's so important that we let ourselves evolve, let ourselves change mm-hmm. and let ourselves just like it's, you're not a bad person. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you're not a bad person if you eat meat. You're not a bad person if you do these things. And so often we're so attached to the labels that we're mm-hmm. like, I can't do this exactly. if I don't. So I'm, I'm happy for you. Thank you. It's all about also allowing yourself to be human and being like, little changes do make a difference. That's be, again, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. Progress totally. is in the middle. Totally. Yeah, and just having like the balance of you know, a lot of people are talking about just incorporating like once a week or twice exactly. a week yeah. and exactly. just having that, mm-hmm. having that balance. Do you ever have time to truly take a break? Yeah, dude. We're worried about your break game. <laughs> we started and I say this. that with love because it, 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 you Did know, my I, therapist call you? Yeah, literally. <laughs> I feel like, you know, we, I feel like we, we get breaks and we build them in, but I mean, you're on a whole other level. That's why I'm, there's some energy you're taking from somewhere. Because if, you weren't eating well and you were doing all this stuff. I drink stuff. energy drinks and I eat Skittles. Damn, that's it. Yeah. That's yeah, what that's I need I won't to do. My advice, I do drink energy drinks. That's my advice. And what? I don't drink enough water. Do you know? Do you want to say the brand? I don't because they don't pay me. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. I fucking feel that. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. I, I'm going to be dreaming all night. I'm like, what kind of energy I'll drink? You. I'll text you. <laughs> um, but I will say, okay, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer this like this. I do not subscribe to the idea, and I know this is very Gen Z, and I'm sorry, Gen Z. I do not subscribe to the idea that as soon as you start a career, you can be balanced. I know that might not be the most healthy thing. I know Gen Z wants to be out here being like, I just got a job and it's my dream job and the boss wants me to work overtime. You work that overtime. (laughs) Yes. They're like, where's my raise? Yes. And that's that's where (laughs) How to Be a Boss, my first book. I said, no, pull the all-nighter. Someone will work harder than you. And I believe that. And I did that for years. What I am unsubscribing to, however, is the idea you have to do that forever. I think you have to earn your stripes. You have to hustle. You have to do all of that stuff. But don't forget that the reason you're doing it is so that you can then call the shots. Where I am now is I almost forgot that I could call the shots because I was on that race that I forgot I was on yeah. the race. And so now I'm stepping into my power saying, I did that and now I don't have to do it. I still do sometimes, 
but I don't have to do that all the time. So now I actually do take breaks. And my therapist has forced me to make a list of small, medium, and large things I can do to, to replenish my energy. So whether it's a movie every, every night, whether it's just like me gardening because I love plants, yes. I do little things. And I feel like I'm the most balanced I've ever been. But when I talk about this, I don't want people then to be like, oh, but I thought you, you believed in hustle. I do. Yes. I can believe in both. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I don't agree with kids. I want the younger generation to you have to work hard. And you can earn your stripes to a place where you're like, now I, but it just doesn't come like this. You know? Even like, you know, in us, not our team now, but in the past, like hiring people. Oh, it's the like worst. the younger, it's fire. like, they're like, yeah, so I, oh my that's, God. That's, that was an extra hour this yeah. week. And we're like, and you, I don't know what to say because oh I'm like, you're, it's, it's, you're right. This is what and? I'm saying. I love, and Gen Z, don't come at me on TikTok. I love you. <laughs> yes. I love you. I think you're doing so much to yes. progress. Yes. But the one yes. thing else is the entitlement thing of working. Yes. I've had people, and I'm the type of boss where when I had an office before the pandemic, I would go on the weekend, I would clean it out, take out the garbage. I'm like, whatever needs to get done, gets done. But when I've had an assistant be like, oh, but why should I take out the garbage? I'm like, okay. Yes. If you're telling me, the person who's also taking out the garbage? Why? Like, that's where yeah. I'm like, I can't. I can't yes. be doing all that. Completely. Well, it's just like we're all here for a sh- shared common goal. Yes. Yep. And if you're not part of the shared common goal, then yep. there's nothing to say. Yes. You know, so I think that there, there's so much individual focus where mm-hmm. we say that too, where it's like, okay, how do I get a raise? Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, raises are fucking important. Mm-hmm. You should get paid for mm-hmm. your work. But it's like, how can we also focus on just like, doing the work Mm -hmm. first to set yourself up. But yeah, Gen Z, we love you. I promise (laughs) if you are invaluable to someone, that's the thing. thing. I have some people that work with me where I'm like, you are invaluable to me. You know me and my brand so well and you have done the work and now I will do anything for you. But if you don't, if you're not there yet and you're in two days in talking about raises and stuff, I'm just like, I can't. Yes, cannot. (laughs) So, so true. Well, now, that so, we've, now that we've got um, banned off TikTok. Yeah, what, literally. What, 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 yeah, literally. Like, we just started our TikTok. Any tips? Really? It is wow. Oh. The comments are wow. wow. Oh my they God. just like, they're like so endocrine. I need to, because one was about hormones. They're like, do I need to see a doctor? What do I do about this? I saw this person. It's like, <laughs> but there's its own community where they're like, they kind of don't talk to you. They talk to each other. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I can tell you this. I, for a long time, was like, I'm not about TikTok. I make, I make long form content. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yes. I like actually own a camera. So yes. I'm not, I was like on my high horse for a hot second. And then once I got into talk, TikTok, I was like, you know what? Actually, this is good for my mental health in a way where this is the place where it doesn't need to hit that standard. This is the place yeah. where you can just express and you don't need to overthink. You can rip. And it's fine. Yes. So that's been kind of a nice thing for me yes. where I'm just like, I can just pop on here and do a little thirst trap. Yeah, you know, whatever. And I don't need to do multiple takes. Just twerk a little. You know, <laughs> the dances though, I just… I can't. I, can. I, I, can. I wish, actually. I wish I was a dancer. I'd be like, <laughs> I yeah. need to do, we need like to a do like couple. a sketch. I will say, I love, some of the stuff on TikTok is so funny. Some of the stuff, yes. I'm like, how is yes. this a thing? Dude, 100%. <laughs> it's just kind of like, I, when I first logged on, it was so sexual. Oh, yeah. The 16-year-olds. And then I'm like, also, then why am I watching this again? I know. Why am I watching? I was like, They're what's like, her legs doing? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Well, I'm so excited. Be a triangle looks fucking dope when Thanks. I was reading it before. I, what I love is the illustrations. Thank you. I'm like, am I, I actually want, 10? Off off our conversation, actually, this is important to note, the illustrator whose name is Simi Patel, and she her name yes. is Paper Samosa on Instagram, and she's amazing. Mm. When I got season one of my late night show, we had no budget for any decor for the writer's room. So I said, hey, I have we have no money. Can you gift me some art prints? And I promise if 
karma ever comes around, I'll keep this in mind. And she did. And she gave it to me for free. And when wow. I was writing this book, they're like, we think you should have illustrations. And I said, I yes. know just the person. See, yeah. and that's a great example too, actually, where it's like, we've had, you know, it's like trusting that the universe will pay you back. And I'm not saying you should go out there and do a bazillion yes. things for free, but especially because she was like a fan and we like had this yes. connection. And I was like, I yes. appreciate that. She was like, I want you to be have a creative space, oh, Lily. Yeah, the illustrations are yeah, safe. Yeah, So Be a Triangle is out now. Your other book is How to Be a Boss. And your TED Talk is out too, which is fire. And then you have more things yeah, coming. Yeah, what's happening? Um, I just out. announced I'm going to be on a Disney Plus show. The Crazy. Muppets, the Muppets Mayhem, which is really, really dope. You, as yourself or you as a voice? It's me. There's only dope. a few hu- humans on the show. So Ooh. it's me. Um, oh, is well, it not there, as Lily. I'm below? playing a character. Yeah. It's a whole thing. So really? I'm, I'm not sure how we're going to shoot yet. I've shot something with the Muppets before. And yes, they were lying on the ground. I imagine <laughs> they so have a cool. solve for that being a full show. Yes. But I'm super excited about it. First thing on my vision board, top left, is Disney Plus. No big You're deal. You're lying. Yeah, wow. I manifested that audition. No big deal. Vision board shower. Just saying. Um, I'm, I'm doing, doing that. that. Yeah, I'm, I'm telling 100% you. Hundred percent doing so that. So I got the uh, Disney Plus show, and then if there's any Canadians listening, I'm a judge on Canada's Got Talent, and that yes. premieres this month as well. Sick. Canada's are a huge audience for us. Oh, really? Yes. What's up, Canadians? What's up, Canadian? <laughs> well, I'm saying favorite, and I'm saying it with a U. <laughs> yeah, literally. What did we say? If we used to be like, we had a uh, one of our former employees was from Toronto. Toronto. Mm-hmm. You and said we, it without a T. Because yes, yeah. we used to say we should be like Toronto. And she's like, it's Toronto. You know what's so weird? That's I'm telling you we're connected by the universe because when I was in my car, the second before I walked in, mm-hmm. I did a post and I put last T silent, Toronto. I literally, before I walked Shut into this room. Up. Yeah. That's actually weird. I know, weird. we're connected. Wow, baby. Yeah, baby. This has been so much fun. Thank you. So I want to be your so friend. Also, yes. I would want to say this the entire podcast, but I didn't know how to do this. Yeah. You both have phenomenal skin. Thank you. It's Thanks, like bitch. actually incredible. Thanks, I'll show bitch. you before and after because no, it's been a it's, journey. We're going to have to <laughs> chit-chat about this. Yo. Because yeah. your skin is phenomenal. Also, yours. Thank you. I, no, it's, I have a pimple perfectly timed for this podcast. I actually have a Zoom product for you. <laughs> you have a what? I have a product for you that okay. you can get in overnight. Really? Yeah, I'll give it to you after. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. What, I wonder what that is. Okay. Give a few. All right, y'all. We love you. <laughs> we'll see you later. <laughs> love Bye. you. Thank you so much, Lily. Again, that was Lily saying you can find her on Instagram at L-I-L-L-Y. Lily, you can find her on TikTok at L-I-L-L-Y. You can find her on YouTube, Lily Singh. And her book is Be a Triangle out now. So make sure you get your copy. Thank you so much to our sponsors for this episode. As always, just bringing you brands that we have vetted for you and we use ourselves. So today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp, Base, House of Wise, and HoneyBook. You can find all discount information in our show notes as well as on almost30.com. Scroll down to partners. Thank you all so much for being here every single week. And we will see you on the next one. We love you. Bye.